Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Welcome everyone. It's been it's been a good day of serving the Lord. It's been a good day of uh, fellowship so far, and I think it's going to be the same here for this service as well. Glad that you're here. You've chosen to be here. We are in a series covering the book of Ephesians, and we have found our way all the way to the final section, which you can see on the screen is the word stand. Final part that Paul gives, the final instructions that Paul gives to the church in Ephesus, is learning how to stand firm in the midst of the spiritual struggles, in the midst of the battles and the uh, wars that really uh, rage around us. And if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. You can follow along that way, or the words will be on the screen. I want to begin just with reading this entire little section. It's, it's 10 verses that are covering the spiritual warfare today. As last week, we're only going to be covering the first three verses because we're really setting a foundation for the things that we're going to be getting into. And here's what the Word of God says. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, Paul writes, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the full armor of God so that you are able to resist when the times are evil. Notice he doesn't say if, he says when the times are evil. And after you've done everything to stand firm, stand firm then. Buckle the belt of truth around your waist, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom. Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit, the ruach in Hebrew, on every occasion, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication, meaning praying for all of your fellow believers, the saints, the holy ones, the Kedoshim. And pray for me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may speak boldly the way that I should. Last week we started part one, today is part two of five, where we are covering the idea and the concept of what is spiritual warfare. In fact, in particular today, we're going to look at why war, uh, warfare exists, we're going to look at the leader 
of the supernatural battle on the enemy side. Let's pray as we get into God's word. Father, I pray that we would realize that we aren't warring with each other. This war is not husbands and wives. This war is not the political battle. This war is not people who have offended us. This war is not Hollywood. This war is supernatural in nature. There is something going on behind the scenes, Lord, and that's what we have to be prepared for. That there is a battle that is taking place on the spiritual dimension that we need to know and be aware of. Lord, help us to take comfort in the fact that you are the one who empowers us. You are the one who gives us the strength to stand firm. I pray, Lord, that you would do something mighty among us today as we are studying and looking at who our enemy is. Lord, I I know that this is going to be new information for a lot of people in this room. We've heard the name Satan. We've heard of the devil, but we don't know where that comes from. So, Lord, teach us and help us to know our enemy so that we could stand firmly for your truth. Lord, bless this time. Be with us and protect us. Surround this church with your protection and every family and every couple that is represented here. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we looked at the idea and the concept of what is spiritual warfare. And we could take comfort in the fact that God is the one that gives us the strength. He gives us the power to fight that fight and that battle. In fact, that's what it says. Finally, be strong. He says these words. He says, in the Lord, in his mighty power. And what we learned last week is it's not about us. God has the ability to help us stand firm in the midst of the battle, and we need to be in Christ if we're going to be able to fight the battle. Being in Christ is the key to be able to fight the fight that is ahead of us. If you are not in Christ, or you have no relationship with God, you are not equipped and not prepared to fight the battle that is in front of you. We stand firm, and we trust in the power of the Lord, in the Lord, in his mighty power. But today, we need to have an understanding of the next part of this. Paul's going to say, put on the full armor of God. Now, we're going to learn as we go through this that the, the armor that is given is representing all the different components and the ways that Satan wants to attack us. Put on the full armor so that you could stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, put on that full armor so that you can fight the fight for your marriage. Put on the full armor so you can fight the fight for your family. You can fight the fight at work. You can fight the fight in the schools because you are equipped with a full armor of God. With that full armor, we can stand against the schemes of the devil. And that's what we want to look at today is who is, in fact, the devil. Where did he come from? How does he affect us? In fact, this week, we're going to look at who he is, and next week, we're going to look at what he is trying to accomplish, how he is trying to take people away from the heart of God. How's he, how's he's, uh, he, he's attacking us in our homes, in our churches, in our families, in our community. How is he working, and how is he attacking us? So we're going to look today at the devil. Just a reminder, he said it then this way, for our struggle 
It's not against our next door neighbor. Our struggle is not against your wife. Your struggle is not against your husband. Your struggle is not against the coworkers at work. Your struggle is against the powers, the worldly forces of this darkness. It is behind the scenes. And against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now I know you are tempted to hate people on the opposite side of the political spectrum. You're tempted to hate people who don't think exactly like you do when it comes to the pandemic. Or you're tempted to hate people who don't think exactly the way you do when it comes to things like really touch point topics like abortion. Now we feel strongly that abortion is evil. It is sin. It is wrong. It is murder. However, it's not being angry at the people. It's being angry at the ones that are going on behind the scenes. In many ways, people are being influenced by the demonic worldly forces that are going on behind the scenes, this present darkness that is happening. We're going to look at all of this as we go through spiritual warfare. Today, I want to talk about the idea of the devil. Who is this enemy that we just know as the devil? Well, I want you to see the words that are used to describe the enemy in the Bible. As you know, in the Bible, names matter. Names describe the character and the nature of the people who are given that name. They matter more then than they do today. Most often today, we don't name somebody because of a certain nature or character they have. We name people for whatever sounds popular. But in that day, people were given names or names were descriptions to describe their essential nature and character. Here's what the Bible says about the devil. Other names. He's known as the accuser, adversary, Beelzebub, Belial, demon, devil, dragon, enemy, evil one, evil spirit, fallen angel, God of this age, God of this world, he who deceives the whole world, Leviathan, Liar, the father of lies, Lucifer, morning star, prince of the demons, prince of the power of the air, prince of this world, roaring lion, ruler of the demons, ruler of the kingdom of the air, ruler of this world, Satan, serpent, son of the dawn, tempter, unclean spirit. I think you can see... As you read through that list, the nature and the character of our enemy and what he is trying to accomplish in this world. Today, I want to give you five things about our enemy that I want you to be aware of. These are not opinions. These are things that are coming straight out of the word of God. I'm not worried about what other authors are saying, what other opinions are. All I want to know is what does God's word tell us about this one who is our enemy? First point that I want to give you is this. Most of these points are going to be rather quick. Number four, we're going to spend some significant time on. Point number one is this. The devil is a created being. This devil... The one that we just read, all of those attributes, all of those names, is a created being. There are other, other religions, other cults, other teachings that will teach that he is the brother of Jesus. But that is not accurate. It is not the case. That's not what scripture tells us. The devil is a created being. 
We know that God created all things, and part of those all things is the devil. The devil was not created with the nature that he has. We're going to see where all of that developed because it tells us in the word of God. But we know that God created all things. Colossians 1 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen. Whether thrones or angelic powers, that's what Satan would fall into, the angelic powers, or rulers or authorities, all was created through him and for him. He he exists before everything, and in him all holds together. You may be asking yourself the question, then, well, how could God create evil? And the answer to that is, as we are going to look at and see, is that God didn't create evil. The devil was created as good, but rebelled against God. And we're going to see that in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, says this of God's creative power, yet from us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah, through whom are all things, and we exist through him. So God created all things. That's point number one. The devil is a created being. As a created being, note this, point number two, the devil is not God. Sometimes people give way too much credence to who the devil is, but he is not God. He is not the creator, and he does not have the powers that God has. What powers does God have? Well, God alone is omniscient, meaning all-knowing able to know all things all the time. There's nothing that escapes his sight. He knows everything that you have said or done. He knows it for the entire world. He is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful, unlimited power. He is omnipresent, meaning he is present all the time. He is ever-present, present in all places at the same time. These are concepts that as human beings, it's so hard for us to wrap our brains around. But this is what the Bible tells us. He is omnibenevolent, meaning all-loving, always gracious and giving, even in our pain, even in the tragedies and the trials that we go through, God's loving kindness has the ability to show through. He's infinite, which means he is unlimited, and he is eternal, meaning without beginning or end. God is above all. He is over all. He is creator of all. He is complete in and of himself. He is without beginning or end, and has unlimited power and authority. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, yet always gracious, kind, giving, and loving. And as the creator, he has authority, again, over all his creation. He has authority over the devil. It says of Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 3 that he, Jesus, has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers subjected to him. All creation is subjected to God. So the enemy, the devil, is not God. 
the devil is a created being. The devil is not God. Did you know that the devil was created good? That God created the devil good. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, Now this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So the devil was created by God because God created all things. The devil is not God. The devil was created as good because God created all things good, and in him there is only light, no darkness at all. So the question again, where did it all go off the rails? How did this all go so wrong? Well, it went so wrong with Satan himself. We have a couple of stories in the Bible that tell us exactly what happened to Satan and where he went wrong and how he became the enemy of God because it didn't start that way. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and then in Isaiah 14, we get the clue. Ezekiel 28, we're going to learn this. The devil and other angels rebelled against God. The New Testament speaks of a time when the angels rebelled against God, but really Satan is the initial rebeller. In 1 Peter, I'm sorry, in Jude 6, it says, and the angels who did not keep their own position of authority, but deserted their proper place. They had a role, they had a position, they deserted it. He has kept in everlasting shackles. They are under the judgment, under gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Their days are numbered. Their days are limited. God has kept them under judgment until the end is going to happen. The devil, we can see how he rebelled against God. I want you to note these things because these are important kind of concepts. Now, in Ezekiel 28, we get a story of a guy by the name of the king of Tyre. Now, this is a reference to Satan. You're going to see that from the story. Almost every scholar that's a biblical scholar agrees that this is a story about who Satan is and how it all started. In the Old Testament, we see this happen time and time again, where we have these characters called Called types. Types are a foreshadowing of a real person. For example, in the Old Testament, Moses was called a type of Christ. Moses was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. Moses delivered the people. He redeemed the people. He took the people to a promised land. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. The king of Tyre is the same thing. He is the type or the picture of who Satan, the devil, actually is and where he came from. Let's read this. This is a fascinating story. And this shows us where it all began and how it went wrong. The word of the Lord of Adonai came to me saying, to Ezekiel saying, Ezekiel, I want you to write this down. Son of man, lift up a lament a sadness, a, a song or poem of sadness for the king of Tyre, who's actually the devil. Say to him, thus says the Lord God Almighty Adonai Elohim, Satan, devil, 
Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. He was there in Eden. Every precious stone was your covering, ruby, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, your settings, and your sockets, a workmanship of gold. In the day you were created, they were prepared. You ever watch football or after the football game, and you see all of these athletes wearing all of the necklaces and the gold and the gold teeth that they've had replaced and the rings and the bling? Satan's got bling. I mean, he has got bling from head to toe, covered in them. Jewels, gold, it was all your covering. They were there for you the day you were created and you, Satan, were created in perfection. You were in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I want you just to take note of that. You were an anointed guardian cherub. What is a cherub? Now, I've never done a study for you on angels. Someday, maybe we'll do something like that to get a little bit of a background. But Satan was considered an anointed guardian cherub. Now, a cherub was not only an angel, but it was an angel that guarded the throne of God. We have little cherub pictures that are like little babies with wings and a harp. And that's not what a cherub was at all. I don't know where that comes from, but that's not a cherub. A cherub was a guardian angel who guarded the throne of God. Picture it as the one created being who was the closest to God himself who stood at the throne and guarded the throne. Probably there was no other angel that exceeded him in splendor, in beauty, and in power. Exceeded everyone else. You were an anointed guardian cherub. Hear the betrayal. You were this. I created you with the most power, the most splendor, the most beauty. I placed you on the holy mountain of God. You are my closest. You walked among stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Note the next word, until. Until something changed. Until you betrayed me. Until unrighteousness was found in you. I cre- created you in perfection. Un- you were perfect until something changed. By the abundance of your trade, they filled you within with violence. What is trade? The word trade is the literal word meaning merchandise, traffic, or trade. In other words, it's stuff, power, ability. Wisdom, influence, looks, and it began to consume you. You know anybody like that that's consumed with stuff? 
power, wisdom, looks? Got any people that you know that they can't help, but as they're walking by a mirror to stop and check themselves out because they're so good looking, it's like I can't stop at the, you know, I can't pass a mirror without stopping. I'm so good looking. I got to look at myself and look at my hair if I had it and look at how great it was. Or maybe it's somebody who's working out. You ever been around the, the guys that are working out? I know I brought conviction on one person here today already uh, in the first service. But guys that just, they, they're lifting and they get up and they've got a big mirror and they're flexing in this mirror and they're look, how, look at this tricep and look at my pecs and they're doing that all the time. That's exactly what he's talking about. You were filled with your trade, the stuff you had, and it changed you. So you have sinned. There's a, mis, a, a common misnomer in the Bible that Adam and Eve, that was the first sin. Do you know it wasn't the first sin? This is the first sin. The first sin was Satan. And then he tempted the others to follow in his footsteps. And they sinned. You have sinned. So I threw you out as a profane thing from the mountain of God. I kicked you out. I made you vanish, guardian cherub, my closest one who betrayed me from among the stones of fire. Now, Jesus, in the gospel of Luke, says this, And Yeshua said to them, I was watching Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Well, that's a reference to exactly what we just read. I made you vanish. I threw you out of the mountain of God. Your heart was exalted because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. The word exalted means to be lifted up, lofty, and proud. Your heart became proud because of your beauty. You corrupted, corrupted, it was, it, it was, uh, it consumed. You were consumed, your wisdom, because of your splendor. It was consuming you. It, 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 it totally changed who you were because of your splendor. I threw you down to the earth. Before kings, I set you up as a spectacle. By the multitude of your iniquities and the injustice of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. You profaned your sanctuaries, meaning you profaned the calling I had on your life, the job I had for you. Why did you portray, uh, you, why did you... Um, Profane it? Why did you quit following your calling? Because you were so consumed with you. Because you were so consumed with you, you quit doing what I called you to do. So I brought fire out from within you, and it has, it has consumed you. The word consumed is the word devoured. It is just eating you up. You know anybody in life that they're being eaten alive? By bitterness, resentment, anger. They're being eaten alive by unforgiveness. It is wrecking them. 
They have a desire for vengeance. They want to see other people suffer. A hatred. Now, first scene that came to my mind as I'm reading this was the scene in Star Wars. Now, not all of you have seen Star Wars because there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but if you have seen Star Wars... There's episode number three where Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader. And he is fighting with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yes, I am a nerd, so just bear with me. But he's fighting with Obi-Wan Kenobi and he is, he is turned. Something has consumed him and he, just, he screams those words, I hate you. It's consumed him, it's eaten away. That's the picture of this. Something changed in you, Satan, who was the anointed guardian angel, the cherub, the one who guarded my throne, my most trusted advisor, who I gave everything to. You were beautiful, per perfect, gorgeous, had all kinds of wisdom and ability, and it's turned you. And you made yourself proud and lifted yourself up. I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who saw you. All who know you among the people will be appalled at you. You have become a horror and will be nothing forever. This was the fall of Satan. Something changed in his nature from who he was created to be to who he became. He was created by God in perfection and beauty and holiness and given everything. And something within him changed and it consumed him and he was kicked out of heaven. Well, what we know about that is this, that Satan was originally created as anointed cherub and he was absolutely perfect, full of wisdom and exceedingly Beautiful. So how would someone like that become so corrupt? Isaiah gives us the rest of it. Isaiah 14, and I want you to notice this because, again, this is convicting. He's talking about Satan. He's talking to him in particular. And through the book of Isaiah, he says these words. How you have fallen from heaven, O bright star, son of the dawn. That's who Satan was created to be. How you are cut down to the earth, you who made the nations prostrate. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of meeting in the uttermost parts of the north. I will ascend above the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high Elion in the, in the Hebrew, yet... You will be brought down to the place of the dead, Sheol, to the lowest parts of the pit. Notice this five times. And this is the clue of where it all went wrong. Five times he says this. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. Five times he says... Not what you will, what I will. I said this is convicting. The reason it's convicting is I believe we could put ourselves in that story in many ways. I will do what I want to do. I will live my life apart from God. I will call the shots. I will do whatever is going to make me happy. I will, and you fill in the blank. 
And just like Satan, pride become, uh, comes before the fall. I will. I will ascend to heaven. I'm going to go to where God is. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will have power over God. I will ascend above the high places. I will make myself like God. And everybody will bow down and worship me. And everybody will serve me. And everybody will praise me. And everybody will notice me. And I will be the judge over all. And I will have power over all. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. It doesn't work like that. You will be brought down. See, in our own lives, when we become full of pride, and we start saying to God, I don't care what you want. I will. I will do this. I will do that. I will be happy. I will make whatever decision I want to make. I deserve to be happy. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. You will be brought down. And he has a way of bringing us to our knees, of bringing us to the end of ourselves so that we step up and say, it's not what I will, it's what you will. Jesus in the garden as he's facing the cross. It's about to come before him. He says, please let this cup pass from before me. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to be going through. The pain of the cross, it was not foreign to him. He knew this. Please, let this cup pass from before me. And then he says those amazing words, yet, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, in our lives as well, that's the ultimate step of surrender, where we say to God, it's not what I want, It's what you want. It's not what I will. It's what you will. And I will be okay with that. And I want to put myself into subjection and under your authority. The way Satan works, and we'll see this starting next week, is that he tries to convince mankind to follow in his footsteps. And if you follow in his footsteps, you will be saying... I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And if you begin to do that, you'll find yourself moving further and further away from God. The devil was created good, but went off the rails when he began to exalt himself and wanted the power that God had. Finally, The devil's evil came not from God planting this in him and doing this because scripture doesn't back that up. It comes from evil within himself. Remember what we just looked at. He said, you were perfect until you were created this until unrighteousness was found in you. Something changed in you. God didn't do this to him. He did this to himself. The evil came from within himself. And that evil has carried on from that moment of time. In John chapter 8, Jesus describes who the devil is. Talking to a bunch of Pharisees, he says, You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires, following his footsteps, of your father. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks lies, he is just being himself. For he is a liar and the father, the originator of lies. God did not make him evil nor force him to turn evil. God does or did as he does with us, he did with him. And that is he gave him a free will. God is completely sovereign. But what does sovereign mean? Sovereign means ruler, king, power, authority. But in his kingliness, in his power, in his authority, he doesn't make us robots. In his power, in his kingliness, and in his authority, he still gives us the freedom of choice. You have the freedom to either say yes to God or no. Satan had the freedom to say, I will serve you faithfully, wholeheartedly. Or he could say, no, I want it for myself. We must choose in our own lives that same thing. Will I serve God with all my heart? Will I bend my knee to God? Or will I say to him, I don't want anything to do with you. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Is that what we say? God gave him that ability to say, are you going to choose me? And Satan in his arrogance and in his pride and in his unrighteousness said, no, I want it for myself. That choice really lies with us. And there are some in this room that probably have never said, Jesus, I do want you. I do want to make a choice for you. I'm reminded of what it says in the book of Joshua. When Joshua was speaking to the people, and he said to them, essentially, this is my paraphrase, if you guys want to serve the other gods, go ahead. If you want to live for yourself, go ahead. You want to be full of pride and arrogance, go ahead. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And that's the choice that is set before you today. The choice of life or death. Oh, that you would choose life. It's not about religion. It's not about a religious endeavor with God. It's about having a relationship, you and I personally, with the almighty creator. You can choose to follow God. If you don't choose to follow God, maybe you say, I want to be neutral. I, I don't want to be bothered. I want to be like Switzerland. I want to be neutral. There is no Switzerland in this conflict. It's either I choose you, God, on purpose, or by default, I follow the enemy. And I may not know that I'm doing that, but if I have not chosen God on purpose, by default, I am following the enemy. Now, next week, we're going to look at what is he trying to do. And that's where we're going to start looking at the spiritual attacks that he is bringing our way. But essentially, bottom line, he just wants you to follow in his footsteps. And why would that be? Well, because he is a created being. And he does not have the power of God. Do you know that he can't hurt God? Or get to God? Or affect God? So he does the next best thing. And that is to come after the ones God created that God loves wonderfully. And so he looks at his created 
And he says, I love you with all my heart. And Satan knows, aha, that's where I'll attack him. If you're a parent, you know how that feels. You love your kids with all of your heart. And when they're under attack, it hurts you. And if they walk away, it hurts you deeply. And you are affected deeply. And that's his game plan. I can't get to God. So I'll do the next best thing and go after the ones he loves. Today, I want to leave you with this. Have you made the choice to say, yes, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If you have not made that choice, then you are on the side of the enemy. Even if you think you're neutral, you're on the side of the enemy. It takes every one of us purposefully and personally saying, Jesus, I want to be on your side. I want to put my life under your authority. You're going to be the king of my life, the Lord of my life, and I will bend my knee to you. If you've not done that, do it today. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand the strategy of our enemy. Help us to understand that he is not you, that you alone have all power, all authority, all control. Judgment lies in your hands. You are the only one that deserves praise. And I pray, Father, that we would, everyone in here would have made that conscious, personal decision to say, I'm going to put my life under your lordship. You are God, you are king, and I want to follow you. Father, if there's anyone here, and you know that because you are the omniscient God, omnipotent God, omnipresent God, you know if there's anyone in here who hasn't made that decision. I pray, Father, right now that you would be tapping on their heart and saying it's time. It's time to give your life to me, to surrender to me and follow me. Lord, please work in that way. Help us to say to you, I want you in my life. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to make you the king of my heart. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Continue to protect us and help us as we dive through this difficult topic. Lord, I know that we are going to be under attack, so please, Lord, protect every person and family and couple in this place. Protect this church and the other churches in our community that are preaching your truth. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.